You're listening to the Funny Women Survival Guide, the uplifting tongue-in-cheek podcast where we chat to British comedy's funniest females in an attempt to cheer up and entertain the nation in these uncertain times. And here's your host, Alexis Strum. Hello. Welcome back. Um, Well, look, the news has been shocking this week, as are my roots. And uh, quite frankly, I think we all need a little bit of a pick-me-up, don't we? So here it is, episode two of the Funny Women's Survival Guide. And it's been recorded entirely remotely, which is no mean feat. Believe me, when you've got like a five-year-old coming in asking to watch unboxing videos on your iPhone and the neighbours are outside chatting about the recycling... But anyways, we got it happening, and my guest today is comedian, writer, and all-round survival expert, Shazia Mirza. And boy, does she have some incredible advice for you funny ladies today, um, including how to remove facial hair with honey and plasters. And of course, joining us is Lynn Parker, founder and CEO of Funny Women. And welcome to the show, Shazia Mirza. It's lovely to have you. And Lynn as well from Funny Women. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so um, just for anyone who's listening, we can all see each other. We can't see you, obviously, but we're, we're looking at each other on a screen. It's rather lovely. Are you are you getting into this whole um, Zoom and uh, FaceTiming generation at the moment? Well, you know what? Initially, I thought this is exciting because we can have our meetings on Zoom. Now it's really bothering me. I'm thinking, oh, my God, not another Zoom call. (laughs) Do I have to get out of my pyjamas and brush my teeth? (laughs) Now it's bothering me because I don't have normally I don't have five, six meetings in a day. Normally I just go out and have one. Now they're all they're all on here. And it's really actually tiring. Uh, and also, it's easy to zoom in and out of the conversation with the person that you're talking to because they're not there. So if you start wondering, they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> what have you been getting up to previously on uh, calls then? Have you been doing oh, your nails? Or I mean, things are getting really out of hand. I think I really feel for women um at the moment because you know you can't get a manicure can't get a pedicure can't get your roots done you got your eyebrows are morphing into your hairline i mean there are uh, people don't realize the effort it takes for women just to look normal <laughs> where i had to grow my body hair for six months but that was out of choice when you're forced into it it's a totally different thing when you've got yes. no choice like when i did that program <laughs> It was about the taboos surrounding women who were hairy that, you know, men often, you know, they don't like women with hairy legs or hairy armpits. And it's a taboo for women um, to, to grow their hair or if they don't want to shave, you know, people judge them for it. Of course, Madonna did it in the 80s and everyone was like, oh, this is great. Let's grow our hairy armpits. But in recent times, it's the fashion to look like a 12 year old girl in, in every way. Yeah. And so how is porn? Porn's going to suffer, oh, isn't it? And so, you know, I mean, I'm used to growing my hair. I did it for six months, but I knew at the end of the six months I could go and get it lasered off. I mean, this quarantine yeah. business, we don't know when it's going to end. And, you know, I've had- I know it's hard to plan your roots accordingly, isn't it? You know, so rude. I've got no <laughs> hair dye. Um, 
and you know I don't know I've got I, I've got no waxing shaving plucking I haven't done that for years I usually get lasered obviously that's not available now um thank god I'm quarantined you wouldn't want to see me out <laughs> <laughs> are you not thinking of maybe some DIY though I, I mean you know it. you could build your own laser I tried it the other day I had a pot of honey in the cupboard and um, this oh. is what my old this is an old wives tale they do it in India actually I, I got some honey and I got a plaster you know and I, I put I put, I put the honey on my moustache and I got the plaster and I whipped out two hairs and I thought you know what that was my greatest achievement this week I got two hairs out but it worked it pulled it out from the roots no I'm not recommending this to people by the way health and safety health and safety yeah but um it did get the hair two hairs that were there and you know you get these stray hairs on your chin I did that and it came out came out You've got to get creative in these times, Liz. <laughs> I looked in the cupboard. I thought, what have I got? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think when people watch these programs like I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, which I haven't done, but and it's very different to Bear Grylls because Bear Grylls is a survivalist and his program was more survival than celebrity. Um, and, and they don't give us food. I think there's this perception when people watch these kind of programs that they're feeding us, they're giving us food, they're helping us. There was none of that. We had some SAS guys on the on the neighbouring island that if we got into a really dire life and death situation, we could walkie-talkie them and they'd come over. But in our case, the weather conditions were so bad, they, these SAS guys couldn't get to us. We had uh, tsunamis. Uh, we were lying in ditches suffering from hypothermia. Um, you know, there was uh, four or five people that didn't make it to the end. Um, it was really, uh, we were getting bitten to death by sandflies and mosquitoes every night. We had terrible bites. We had crabs crawling all over us while we were asleep in ditches. Um, we, and we had no food. You know, we had no food. We weren't given any food. Um, and it really was a survival program in every sense of the word, in terms of the mind, the body, um, the, the di between men and women. Uh, working together, uh, we had to find ways of surviving. And it was solitary confinement because we were stranded on a desert island in Panama um, for a month. And if we wanted to leave, we had to, we had to walkie-talkie the psychiatrist yeah. who would come in on a boat to the island and would um, talk you out of leaving. He would talk you out of it and say, you know, if you leave now, you're going to regret this mm. for the rest of your life. You're going to feel terrible. You're going to feel like a failure. His job was to discourage us from leaving. And people wanted to leave. I mean, I'm not sure that sounds very ethical, though. How did you square that in your in your head? Well, in the end, uh, if he felt that you were in such an unstable condition, um, then he would advise you to leave, which he did do to uh, a couple of people. Mark Watson was one of them, which you saw on the, on the program, um, and uh, a couple of the others, and they left. And I mean, it, it was it was difficult um, because you know people are in solitary confinement now. We're locked in our houses. Everything has been taken away from us, all our freedoms. But you know, we have food. And I couldn't understand. Yep. And, you know, we have the Internet. When I was on the island, there was no mobile phone. We weren't allowed any books, no pen, no paper. 
um, nothing mm. apart from the clothes that we had. And so all we had was each other. And apart from Mark Watson, I didn't know anybody on that island and nobody had met each other before. So you're deserted on this desert island for a month with 10 people you don't know. We are so lucky. We've got the phone. We've got the Internet. We've got Zoom. We've got Skype. You can go out for an hour a day if you want. We've got food. And I couldn't understand when we first had the lockdown, everybody running for toilet roll. I could not <laughs> understand this at all. This is a first world problem. Toilet roll is a first world problem. Yes. Because um, on the island, we didn't have toilet roll. Um, you go to the Middle East, go to the, any of these countries, they don't use toilet roll. Um, so everybody running to the mm. supermarkets, fighting and punching each other over toilet roll. I, we, I couldn't understand it. Couldn't understand this. Because if you're in a survival situation, what you'd want really is water, which we've got, uh, and food. Um, why people went yeah. and, and did that, it was, uh, it was very telling about, um, well, we ha about the way that we live. So what's great about you, though, is you are a survival expert. In a sense, I don't want to put the tag on you Please without don't call you know me an qualifying it. Doesn't it. Take much but, to be um, an expert I've, these days. The thing is, though, <laughs> if when you're saying you don't understand why people were bulk buying, some people have never experienced any sort of hardship in their lives, let alone go on. Now you've been on quite a few shows. I've celebs in isolation and the Bear Grill show, and I, I I understand that your show that you were taking. Uh, to Edinburgh was it this year a coconut that's also about is that about survival that was partly about survival but it, it was how I the show was about how the island was a metaphor for life right and this was before coronavirus it was about the um, <laughs> the divisions between men and women why women are better survivors than men because when we went on the island we started off with five men and five women in the end four women survived and only two men Wow. And Bear Grylls had said this always happens because it's my survival is mind over matter. Mm. It is about getting up every day, having a plan, executing that plan, um, having a vision. You know, when I was on the island, we, it was a month. A month is a very long time when you are starving to death. Mm. We know we don't, the difficult thing about this coronavirus is that we don't know when it's going to end. We don't have an end date. And I think that's frustrating people because you can't make plans. Yeah. And plans are very important in survival because you need things to look forward to. And you need to be able to make plans. You, you know, if this was any other situation, I'd say, you know, I'd start booking flights. I'd book a flight to L.A. and go, you know what, I'm going to do some gigs in L.A. in November. I can't do that because there are no flights. Uh, we don't know if I will be able to travel by November. And I think this is what people are finding difficult is that they can't make plans. They can't. There's no end date. There's no nothing to look forward to, which can depress people. I think it's also with with that comes a lack of control. Um, I was actually catching up on the I'll watch anything on Channel 5 that's got celebs in the title. So celebs in isolation is like the dream show for me. Um, I was actually watching uh, an episode of it last night and I, I was watching how you that you got you're given this sort of perspex wall that you can write on mm. um and you drew up a sort of a, a plan for what you wanted to achieve in that period of time and I thought that was an excellent survival strategy and very much um it, f it felt a very female thing to do because 
every woman I know has got a spreadsheet for everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting. And and how much did that? How much did scheduling give you a sense of control in that experience? I mean, I, I mean it was four metal pods containers, um, uh, individual ones, left in a derelict car park in Belfast. And we had to be in there for five days, no natural light. Um, there was no food apart from the packets they had given us at the start of the of five days. The toilet was in the pod. Um, you'd no, no music, weren't allowed any music. Um, I weren't allowed to talk to anybody. No contact with the outside world. I didn't know who was in the other three pods till I came out. There was Anthea Turner was in the other one. The world's strongest man, uh, Eddie Hall, he was in the other one. And Professor Green, he was in the other one. And you couldn't hear anything. So you didn't know if people had made it to the end or if people had, had left. I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, mm. But what I knew was uh, from doing the island is that when you wake up in the morning and you've got nothing, which a lot of people now during this time of, of coronavirus, they don't have a job. They can't go to the gym, which is part of everyone, a lot of people's routine. Uh, they can't go to the gym. They can't go and meet friends. They can't go to the pub. You need to have a plan. What are you going to do for the day? And, and we're very lucky that we work in this kind of creative industry where we can write, you know, we can plan gigs, we can plan tours, we can, you know, there's so much we can yeah. do. Um, and we can go on Instagram, do our homemade videos and all this kind of stuff. But ordinary people, you, should, you need to have a plan when you wake up in the morning and try to execute that plan. Otherwise, you can get very depressed just sitting there on the settee eating chocolate. Um, just going back to something you said, Shazia, about women as well and being better at surviving. Apparently, mm -hmm. more women are recover from coronavirus than men. And so women are much more built um, for survival. This is exactly what Bear Grylls said, is that always more women survive than men because... Um, it also depends on what you've been through in your life. You know, women generally have had to, uh, are always on the back foot. We've always had to fight against some kind of discrimination, you know, in the workplace, um, you know, pressures on us to have children, to not have children, you know, to be stay-at-home mothers, to work. I mean, women generally have had to fight for everything, you know, to get a mortgage, for their right to vote, all these kind of things that men have automatically always had and therefore haven't had to fight as hard for things. And women are very constructive in the, in the way that they um, multitask and have to do a lot of things by themselves. And it's mind over matter. Men think, well, men on the island thought that, you know, they were very strong. But in the end, it had nothing to do with physical strength. It was to do with mental strength. And also one, one thing women did, which helped us to survive, is women... On the island, we talked to each other all the time, every day. We chatted about ridiculous things. Like the men, every day they wanted to just get up, hunt and kill. That's what they wanted to do. That was their natural instinct. Women, we cooked, cleaned and chatted about weddings. Um, <laughs> we sat around the fire. Um, we talked about everything. And honestly, the time went <laughs> by so much quicker and more constructively. The men tended to get depressed, uh, negative, uh, lethargic, because they weren't really communicating as well as the women were. So you mentioned about women being resilient and uh, women are you know, are good at survival. 
I did read a, an article the other day in The Atlantic, and it said that COVID-19 is a disaster for feminism, you know, particularly for, I mean, I'm personally, I'm a single parent. So at the moment, I am completely, I have no um, control in my life. I'm, I'm having to work and look after my daughter, etc. And it's definitely taken me back a step. And I'm not the only demographic. I know that, you know, this, this works across the board. I, I just wondered how you feel about that. Do you think that there's going to be an impact in that sort of res uh, respect? Oh, I, I never thought that uh, about it, uh, COVID-19 being, um, uh, having an impact on feminism. But, you know, one thing that really does concern me is women in domestic violence relationships yeah. who are now being forced to live with their abuser and have got nowhere to go and have got no help um, and are totally isolated and in a very dangerous situation. Um, I really feel for those women because in real life, you know, I, I do a lot of charity gigs, you know, for like Southall Black Sisters uh, and charities like that, which support these women. And in, in real life, they are scared to speak up. In real life, you know, they are, they would never go to a shelter uh, and they just put up with the abuse. Now they are being forced into a confined space with these, with their abuser. And I, I dread to think what is, what is happening to these women or, you know, how this is going to end. The, um, the domestic violence helpline has gone up. Their calls have come in. It's 150% more than mm. normal. Um, we did a lot of work with Funny Women and Refuge, so it's very close to my heart, this as well. We've done quite a lot of fundraising for Refuge over the years. But that is such a staggering statistic. They, they're they struggling to, to man the phone lines. And, uh, and what are the options for these women? No, at this point, I mean, what do you do? You can't just go out on the streets uh, and escape can you it's it's a it's a dreadful situation well that's why the phone line is so important I think as well it goes back to what Shazzy is saying is that there's no end in sight I mean I personally yes. I've personally experienced domestic abuse um, and for me the the saving grace was always that there was a there was always an exit strategy um, there was always somewhere I could go, uh, whether it was being offered a place in a refuge or, or you know, getting support from family, friends, even the police, going to the police. Those options are not available right now. And I think um, now that now that things are, are now that we've stopped the focus on, OK, we've got the NHS sorted, the key workers. We've looked at people in care homes, in prisons. Now, I think um, in the last couple of days, it, it at least I've certainly noticed there's been more activity about this, more discussion and, and things will be put in place. Women's Aid is still there. They're still doing everything they can, as well as all the other um, minority charities as well that, that support uh, women in, and children in, in situations of domestic abuse. But I think the nature of all of us, all of our tempers are being exacerbated at the moment. And, um, you know, I'm sure that there's more cases because, sides of people that we never saw previously are now forced to come out under these conditions mm. I mean when when you were you've you've experienced a lot of periods of self-isolation through through the tv shows that you've done what did you learn most about yourself in those times were there parts of yourself that you found you really liked or that you disliked what what sort well, of came out? Uh, when, when you say about uh, you know women in uh, who are in these confined spaces now and they are you know suffering terribly and we won't know about it 
when I was on the island, um, because we were also in a confined space with these people every day, and we were hungry, we, hadn't, we had no food, it was very easy to get angry and agitated and argue with people. But one thing that we did, which is a survival strategy, is that we kept our hatred to ourselves. I knew there were people on the island that disliked me, and there were, and there were people on the island that I disliked. But we kept our hatred to ourselves because we knew that if we started arguing and fighting, there'd be nowhere for us to go and we'd still have another 28 days to go and it would be hell. And so or, or, I, we just kept any horrible feelings and, and um, thoughts to ourselves and we just got on with stuff. And when we got off the island, we forgot why we hated each other. We, we, we forgot and we realized <laughs> it was just the circumstances under which we were under that made us feel that way. And so when we came off, you know, we just forgot why we, why we just hated each other. And we had, we've got a WhatsApp group. We talk to each other all the time. We're really close friends. And, and the Archbishop of Canterbury had said something about this recently. He said there was a time when we, everybody just kept their hatred to us, to themselves. And uh, as a result of that, we were progressing. Uh, as a nation, we were progressing, we were getting on. Mm. But then since Brexit, we now know that everybody hates each other. It's all out in the open and there's no, and there's no going back. And I think, you know, when people are in these confined spaces now with people that maybe they don't like, is to just try and um, maybe do some yoga, maybe do some meditation, but just try and contain that. Uh, anger and that hatred and those feelings that might be coming up and realize that you probably don't really feel like this. It's just the situation that we're in. And once this situation is gone, those feelings will go as well. So do you think the divorce rate's going to go up though? <laughs> we were talking about this this morning. We were talking about uh, how the baby making rate, babies, there's going to be more babies. Do we think there's going to be more divorces? Nobody spends 24 hours a day with somebody whether they love them or not i mean the reason why a lot of these marriages work is because no. they're not together 24 hours a day that's why those marriages work yeah. i mean what about these people that are having affairs and they're in the wrong house now yes that was a great <laughs> story wasn't it but that's the only home they've got. But they'd rather be with the woman they're shagging down the road. <laughs> there was also a, was a great story about a girl who um, she went on a date. I, I don't know what app it was from. And uh, they they kind of been speaking for a few days. But then the lockdown hit. So she's been stuck with him and actually live tweeting about it for the past couple of weeks. She's been stuck with him since this first date. But actually, it's working out quite well. And they seem pretty happy. <laughs> maybe that's uh, Maybe that's what you need to do, I guess. But I was, I was talking to this girl, who I, I, a comedian in New York, and she'd only just started seeing somebody. And they really liked each other. But now they're in lockdown, so that relationship can't develop because mm. they can't see each other. So there must be loads of people wow. that have just met or that were, yeah, or they were just getting to know each other. And now... They can't get to know each other. And also, you don't know how you're going to feel now when you come out of this lockdown. Yeah. yeah I've been married 32 years. Can you imagine how I feel? <laughs> so this lockdown, this lockdown is nothing new for you then, Lynn. No, I've been locked up for years. I just, I just banish him. We, we, fortunately, we, we work in opposite ends of the house, so we try and 
work all day and then come together for meals I, and yeah, all we talk about is what we're going to have for the next bloody meal. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Or what we're going to watch uh, on Netflix. It's, it's but hilarious. But you know what? This, this thing about, um, you know, maybe there's people you fancy or there's people that you like and now you're on your own in solitary. Your mind is going 24-7 about you know, do they really like me that much? Um, do I like really like them that much? And you are thinking the situation. And some of the thoughts can be very negative. You might be sabotaging something that might have been all right. I think you're right, though. We, we, we don't know how we're going to end up at the end of this. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Will you be that same person that snogged that guy that night in March, you know, <laughs> when you come out of this? And I think... Um, yeah, that's the interesting one. It's kind of a general frozen. We're all frozen in time, it feels to me. How are you getting your head around it, though, Shazia? How are you getting your head around this? It's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, you can wake up in a different mood every day, you, you know, and you, for no reason. Like you can just wake up one morning and feel really down or, oh, you know what, today's going to be all right. Or you, you, it, your mood just changes so much. Because you're in your head a lot more than normal. Like normally I'd go swimming every day. I'd go to the gym every day. You know, I'd have a gig in the evening. I'd be traveling somewhere. And you know what? I, I don't think that much in my life. I don't, I'm not in my head. <laughs> and now I'm thinking about everything. And I'm thinking also, why hasn't so-and-so called me? So-and-so hasn't called me. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. You know, well, that's true, actually. Yeah, there are people I'm you've just thinking, not heard from. Hang yeah, on. I know where you are. I know where everyone is. You, you can't <laughs> say you're busy or you're out. We know where everyone is, and we know everybody is on their phone. So, yeah. So I'm thinking, why haven't you called me? Or, but the weird thing is, I've also heard from people I have not heard from for a long time. It yeah, is hard, yeah. though, to have an excuse, I think, at the moment. You know how you always could yeah. come up with an excuse yeah. for something? Now, what is the I excuse? Mean, oh, sorry, I've just got to... What do you do? <laughs> I mean... Go on Zoom. Yeah. Go on Zoom. We're all stuck permanently. And it's like, you know, like uh, people go, Can I, are, you, are you free this week? Can we do a call? I'm like, I'm free all week. So can I ask you about... Shazia, how is work going? If I can ask that, I mean, the, the dreaded W word. Are you are you still creating? Have you got plans? Are well, you going to be doing something virtual? I've been posting videos on Instagram, you know, because that's partly work and partly that's where everything is now is on Instagram. And people are so bored. I, I mean, I, I, I read some comedians on Instagram the other day. They were going, I'm running out of content. I don't know what to, <laughs> I don't know what to post. I said, like, oh, my God. <laughs> We're running, we are running out of content because we can't go out and do anything. We're in the house. There's only so much cooking. I mean, <laughs> the cooking is driving me insane. Everybody, everybody's become a cook. Everybody's cooking yes. 24 hours a day now. But, you know, we're going to run out. We haven't got surplus amounts of food now. And, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, I've been writing, I've been working on uh, a script and my book and stuff, but it's, I know it's hard to get motivated. It's hard to keep motivated. And that's okay. That's also okay. I mean, I have to say, I've been, I've been sleeping my way through a lot of this. 
corona. <laughs> I mean, 14 hours a day is ridiculous. Nobody, I mean, I've been sleeping. I, you know, I went to bed at four o'clock the other day and then it was nine o'clock and I thought it's time to go back to bed. <laughs> but you know something, um, I'd never caught a fish in my life before I went on that island. Never, never fished in my life. Um, Matthew Wright, who's a, 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 who's a fisher, he, he's always fishing. He goes fishing holidays. He gave me some advice before going on the island. And he said to me, it's really easy. Just get a piece of silvery foil or something that's shiny. You know, make a rod, put it at the end of the rod. It will entice the fish to come in. And he gave me a few tips. But honestly, when I got there and the sea was so vast and... You know, there was 10 people that we had to feed, and I found a net. It was really improvisation, kind of what we're doing now. What have we got in the house? What can we do? You know, what, how can we get something productive done today? What's in the kitchen? What can I cook? You've got to improvise. You've got to create. I never caught a fish in my life, but I was determined because Sharon Davis had left, and obviously she was the best swimmer. Um, and uh, by about by about 20, 20 gold medals, um, <laughs> look, I came on the I came on the island. Uh, I came on the island. I said, you know, I can swim. And then I saw Sharon standing there, and I thought, no, Shazia, you can't swim. Um, no, I, I I swim every day. I swim. Uh, I go outdoor swimming in Hampstead Ladies Pond. It's very cold water, and I, I've swam all my life. But and I thought. When Sharon had left, okay, I'm the best swimmer. What can I do with that? And so I thought, okay, mm. I'll try and catch some fish. But I had never caught a fish in my life. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But when you have determination, you can do anything. When you have the will to do something, it doesn't matter really about your talent. I mean, look at all the talentless comedians on the circuit. But my God, my <laughs> God, these, these young white boys have got the will. They've got... They've got the will and the confidence. Yeah, and true. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do this. I'm good at this. And the will is more important than the talent. And I think people are in such a rush to come up with content, to try and make normal. This is normal. This is my, you know, it's not normal times. And I think um, I wanted to ask, in the rush to return to normal, what parts of normal are worth rushing back to? Um, that... Um, we need to, uh, things have got out of hand in the world. You know, um, the carbon footprint, eating too much, traveling too much. Um, there was too much consumption of everything. There was just too much and the planet was bursting. And maybe we just needed this to happen to stop, to stop. Nobody can travel. We can't eat too much. We can't buy too many clothes. We can't do too much anymore and that needed to stop there needs to be an equilibrium where there is a balance in the planet now and you know people the true experts and there was also an emphasis on stupid people listening to stupid people and i think you know listening to people that led us up the wrong path that were taking us the wrong way there was a backlash against experts, real experts, scientists, people like Bill Gates who had predicted this in 2015. Nobody listened to him. And we were listening to stupid people. Um, and I think um, also I think the coronavirus is going to be the death of celebrity. 
uh, we placed, agree with you on we that. placed too much emphasis on celebrities, what they were worth, the money they were bringing in, the Kardashians, you know, you know, Kylie Jenner bringing in, making, being a billionaire out of a lip liner. This kind of value placed on celebrity, listening to what they had to say, um, children, young kids dying to go on Love Island. The value of all of that was all wrong. And I think coronavirus is going to be the death of celebrity because people in the world, in the whole world, are going to realize that when it came down to it, the people that saved our lives were the doctors, the nurses, the medical people, the, the people that drove ambulances. These are the people that we need to value most in our life. And I think the value of those people, the value of our NHS, it's going to come back now. And I think this is going to be the start of the death of celebrity as well as, as, as the human race, as we realise what's important and what's not. I think what's interesting is how it will affect children. I was trying to compare um, when my mum my was a kid, she had to go and be sent off. You remember in the war when the kids were sent off to live with other families? And I was explaining to my daughter that this is kind of a similar situation. Actually, the Queen picked up on that as well. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting that they're going to grow up shaped and formed by um, a war in which we're all on the same side, essentially. But they're, you know, they're all going to be shaped by this in some way. Does that give you hope for the future or does that make you? Yeah, yeah I think. I think it does give us hope. I, and I just loved yeah. the Queen's speech yesterday. So do I. I, I love the Queen. You know, it was just so moving um, that she said, you know, one day soon we will meet our friends again. We will, be with our, we will be reunited with our families. We will meet again. It was so kind of old-fashioned um, an inspiration that we will meet again. We'll, we will be together again. It was really sad and it was really moving. And, and, and you know, the Queen, no, there isn't anybody that doesn't love the Queen. I mean, she's so amazing uh, to be here and working and, you know, giving people hope. Uh, that, that speech was so moving, I thought. It was just what I people agree. Needed, I thought it was I beautiful. Thought. And I think, um, yeah, it, 22 million people tuned in in the UK to watch that. It's got to be the highest viewing figures. It's interesting, isn't it, when we're all tuning in every day to watch Boris Vision and watch The Queen. I mean, what, what a change in programming. What kind of programs have you been watching? Is, is, have you found I that know. you're gravitating towards comedy or what do you like to no, watch? No, like I've been watching really old films. I mean, I watched a couple of Bond films this week. Um, then I, I watched uh, The Man with the Golden Gun and uh, really, old, really old films. I watched Educated Rita last <sighs> I night. I love that. That's a great film, I, I isn't was, it? I mean, it's 30 I years old, but it's like, you know, a, a woman wanting an education yeah. in those days. Oh, what a taboo. <sighs> like, and um, both of them, Michael Caine, brilliant, you know, and Julie Walters, brilliant. And, and then I watched uh, As Good As It Gets. I watched that the other night. I'm watching any old any old film that I wouldn't normally watch. They sound quite feel good, though. There's a d bit of a thread to what you were saying, yeah. and I think um, yeah. it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch horror films and uh, pandemic-based <laughs> uh, big studio <laughs> films at the moment. Um, I watched um, Sliding Doors. Oh, so did uh, I. Oh, Sliding yeah, Doors. Uh, yeah, 22 years old. And I just could not believe how much the world has changed since I watched that the first time. 
it was incredible just you know but really interesting 22 because, years old yeah absolutely 98 especially the scenes where they're having to ring a house phone to get caught out yes. for shagging someone else <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh hang on a minute I'm just I'm gonna... but I, that's I quite like that looking back at old movies and the way it, it reminds you of the world that it had that has changed and it is changing again you know it's when they make all the coronavirus movies, it'd be interesting to see what they do with it. I don't, I don't, I think life will never be the same again after this. Mm. I, I don't think people will be the same again after this. I mean, no. Yeah, people don't ring each other anymore. When someone calls, they go, Why are you calling? <laughs> Nobody checks their voicemail. Nobody checks phone. their voicemail anymore. No. That's terrible, isn't it? Terrible. So I think we're, we're kind of coming to the end of this uh, chat interview, um, pep talk, call it what you will. But Ex- exploration. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting to get your perspective yeah. because you've obviously been through mm-hmm. so many experiences of survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wanted to ask how you feel comedy is going to look when we come out of this. Is comedy going to survive? What are your well, in every crisis, you know, um, you know, in every crisis, in uh, all the world, world wars after 9-11, uh, people who are in Auschwitz on concentration camps, they will all talk about uh, how much humour was needed or black humour was needed. And we will always need comedy, always, always. We've always had comedy. We will always need it. The problem with live stand-up is, when will we people be safely be able to congregate again in a in a in an audience in a comedy club in a festival? I was going to do Glastonbury. I was going to do Latitude. They've all been cancelled. When will that be able to happen again? How how I don't know. I mean, these videos. I have to say they've died down in the in the past few days. But in the first week, I mean, these videos were crazy. I mean. I think I think it's more the jokes are about the situation, about people being locked in, staying, rather than about people dying. I mean, it's it's mainly about the situation, and it's this is a worldwide thing. Yeah, I think it's gallows humour as well. I mean, it's the underlying yeah. the underlying fear of death, which is is kind of moving us all forward at the moment. And um, I just wanted to um, flag up the fact that uh, we were Shazia was meant to be. Um, Mm. with us uh, for our 18th birthday party um, which was meant to be on the 21st of April uh, and clearly isn't happening um, but we are definitely doing it in November so we've got a new date which is the 2nd of November so um, I'm hoping Shazia is not in huge demand. I'm going nowhere I'm going nowhere desert island (laughs) nowhere And will that all be listed on the website, Lynn? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, we're just putting it up now, and Joe Brands agreed to host it as as arranged originally. Um, so hopefully, we will still have an amazing gig. Yeah. But given that Shazia did the very first Funny Women event that I ever put on, it would you know it's important for me that she's doing mm, that one as well. Yeah. So, and I think it's an opportunity to innovate anyway. You know, and under these restrictions, mm. even if we are still forced to to socially distance by that point, you know, there is an opportunity here without sounding too positive because <laughs> I'm not, um, but to innovate and to be a bit more agile about the way that, 
you know, you're putting content out there or, or trying to arrange gigs, you know, that will definitely change. I think people are really enjoying Zoom and really enjoying some of these online gigs and, and that will still continue, I'm sure, hopefully alongside um, actual outdoor events again and we'll get, you know, we'll get our gig mojo back. Um, so would, do you think you might be doing the same show next year for Edinburgh? Or do you think it will be... Would you like to do this? I think it might be out of place. I mean, I, I can still do, I'm lucky because a bit of it is about survival. So I can still do that bit. Um, but you know what? It's weird because not with stand-up, I do stand-up almost every night and I have done for years and years. And if you don't do stand-up for about a couple of weeks, you feel rusty or you feel like, oh my God, I'm out of practice. I mean... I don't know when I'm going to be doing another gig now because there aren't any, everything's been cancelled. But after about six months, people are going to be, everyone's going to be shit. They're because not going to be funny no anymore, one, are no they? One's done, no one's done a gig. <laughs> no one's done a gig for six months. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be so rusty. It's going to be weird. Do you know what? All I can see is your eyebrows now. As the, the, throughout the course of the conversation, Jessie, you're <laughs> lower and lower. Just They're pretty good, actually. They're, They're looking good. good. You've, you've managed to keep the plucking up. It looks good. Uh, I haven't plucked them. I did thread them the other day uh, oh. with, um, with some thread. That's all I had. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just did the stray hairs. I didn't shape them or anything. Um, but, I mean, you've got to look after yourself. You don't want to let yourself go. I know this is a funny woman thing, and this is for women. As often, we uh, look after ourselves to make ourselves feel good. And we shouldn't let that go uh, just because we're locked up in the house. Do any little thing. Put a face mask on, exfoliate. Do something to make yourself just feel good, just for yourself, really. I think that's Yes, okay. Blue Peter style. <laughs> Thank you for being oh, so you. positive. For that was lovely. And um yeah, I think I think I think it will be uh it'd be really interesting to get this one out and and see how people respond because it's uh, some really good life yeah. skills conversation in there as well just, you know, mm -hmm. to take away from this post pandemic which i hope we we can talk about that time and that will happen very soon but thank you so much for for being our guest today shazia and thanks to lynn as well in this uh, studio <laughs> thank you i'll see you around sometime <laughs> you've been listening to the funny women's survival guide and i've been your host alexis strum Thank you so much to Shazia Mirza for being the guest who just keeps on giving. And of course, to Lynn. And do check out funnywomen.com for more information about the awards and all the other activities that they've got going on. If you want to find out more about me, check out thetimeialmost.com or peer inside my window because I currently don't have any curtains. Stay funny and stay safe. <laughs>